Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. Brought to you by Banterflix.com. And now, here's your host, Jim McClain. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am your host, Jim McLean, the editor-in-chief of the Banterflix Movie Review website. Welcome to the latest episode of We Need to Talk About Movies. If this is your first time checking out this podcast, then welcome to The Madness, dear listener. The concept is pretty straightforward. Each week we talk about a different movie. Sometimes we talk about a specialised cinematic theme. But generally we talk about a film that might be a new release, a cult classic... Sometimes we might talk about a film that you've never heard of before. But each week I gather some guests, we talk about the film, and sometimes we get a little bit spoilerific. Sometimes we struggle to stay on topic, but we try our best to have a little bit of fun as we chat about the film. And this week, the film we need to talk about is Josh Boone's New Mutants. It's out in cinemas now after a pretty problematic post-production and I'm sure we'll be talking about that during this episode. I'll be joined in just a moment by local blogger James Oliver and cosplayer Eveen Henry but before I'm joined by my two guests to talk about the film let's play a clip of New Mutants. It's hunting us. No, it's hunting Danny. Why Danny? Because that's what she fears. Come on. Help me. All right, one, two, three. Take Danny to a safe place. And I'll take care of this bear. Zoe, leave her. Leave her dance. What are you going to do? I'm going to play with it. Get her out of here. Are you crazy? That thing will kill you! He's right, it's magic! So am I. So that's a clip of New Mutants and joining me as we discuss the film and I'm sure, as always, we will struggle to stay on topic and God knows what territories we will get into during this recording is local blogger James Oliver Hi. and making a welcome return. The last time even we had you on was just pre-lockdown but we're joined once again by local cosplayer Avian Henry. Hi. So guys, before we kind of get in too much to discuss in the film, how have you been, James? As we say every time we have you on, you work in an unnamed cinema that we cannot name because James is terrified that people will come in and uh, harass him for his thoughts on all things cinema related. <laughs> but James, how has it been to be back in a cinema, to have those doors open and have punters coming through the door again? It's been it's been great. Um, of course, you know as we talked about um, the last podcast appearance I was on, that you know there was a lot of stuff, new stuff introduced, all the new measurements in place. So it was a bit daunting at first, but once I kind of got back into the swing of things, you know, it's you've kind of just adapted to it now. So 
I, you know, it, it's just great to be back working and it's great to see people, you know, coming through the doors again, some of our regulars, even new people, you know, making their first cinema trip back and, you know, they're they're anxious to, to go in and see a big film or whatever there is. So, yeah, it's been it's been great to be back. Now, talking about being back, Avian, if I'm correct, this was your first cinema trip since lockdown began because you've been shielding for health reasons. So before we kind of get into discussing the film itself, how did you find that being back in a cinema setting? Did you feel safe? What did you think of the the general kind of social distancing measures that were in place? Well, whenever I first went in, um, I forgot to stick my mask on, which was on my part, but the woman showed away, which was like, you put your mask on? And I was like, okay. Um, and then you got your hand sanitizer and go went in. Um, but whenever I went to sit down, I don't think there was a lot of social distancing measures. The seats were just kind of like, just sit where you want. Um, it was kind of up to us to like separate ourselves. But to be fair, there was only like, including myself and the person here I went with, there was six people all together. So it was easy to social distance. But if there was more people at it, I think it would have been a bit harder kind of social distance just depend what kind of movie it is were you apprehensive and i know kind of we are going to talk at some point get around to talking about the film but i know we'd asked you to do this i know you'd been shielding because as as you said you 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 suffer from asthma so was was going to the cinema something you were nervous about or was that something just like a case of like bitch please i'm ready to get back to the cinema kind of like i need to go back out um I've been basically doing Zoom calls as well with my friends to like see each other and talk to each other but not being able to actually like get out and see people and interact with people and just enjoy myself instead of just staying in bed all day and watching TV like watching movies on the TV it's so much nicer to actually be able to go to a cinema and watch it on the big screen so I feel like especially with the social distance and stuff in place I might feel more comfortable now to go to the mm-hmm. cinema instead of like a park or the beach because I know it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. And James, just, I know before we're going to get into talking about the film, but as someone who works in a cinema, how have you felt about implementing social distancing and kind of ensuring that, that ushers and everything, etc., that it's all being implemented and people know what to do when they go in. So people like Avian are put at ease. Yeah, so basically um, the way it works in my cinema as well as uh, several other outlets that I know of is um, we introduced uh, the blocking off of seats. So say it was AV and her partner were to come along. Uh, so you book tickets online, it blocks off two seats in front of you, behind you and either side of you, as well as the diagonal seats as well. So for every two people that book in, there are 12 seats that are locked off around you. So no one can go near you. No one can book those seats. No one can basically get in that room. If there were people who were, you know, to come in and, you know, just, oh, think, sit wherever they want. No, we can be straight in there, um, whether it's myself or other staff members. We can politely ask people, listen, you know, would you mind referring to your correct seat numbers due to the social distancing measures? And, yeah, and that's kind of how we're working it. Um, there's been several instances where, you know, we have – had to you know kind of be a bit not not harsh but you know we have kind of had to be a bit blunt with people who just 
don't understand it, and for whatever reason, I don't know why you don't understand it. But yeah, because you're stupid, James. Because um, you're stupid. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I, I was trying to be polite, but yes. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> um, all right. We're all thinking it. Yeah. So you know, and um, and yeah, beforehand, you know, obviously before all this happened, it was you know, grand. If people didn't sit in the right seats, right, it maybe messed it up a wee bit. But you could get it sorted. You can get around it. But now more than ever, it's of vital importance. You you know, like you know your seat numbers and you know where you're sitting. But uh, yeah, we've had to go in and we've had to shift people about. Um, it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. But we have absolutely no, you know, there's like it's no no skin off us for doing our jobs. You know, we want to ensure that not only our staff can feel safe, but the Panthers who are returning, you know, whether it's their first trip back or you know they've came since we reopened, we want to make sure everyone's safe and want to make sure that we're doing it correctly. So yeah, um, we're just going to stick at that. So yeah. Yeah, I've been a couple of times and I have to say at a cinema chain, not your specific cinema, James, but the cinema chain that you work for, I've been to a couple of films and I've thought I've been implemented well. I've been at another Belfast city centre. There's not much way around it anymore because most there is only one cinema in Belfast city centre where I, I felt that it has been implemented well as well. I haven't been to the other cinema that is doing temperature checks on the door or on arrive. I haven't been there yet, but I'm probably going to be there next week. I felt safe every time. The only thing, you know, anybody who follows us regularly will have seen me on my own Twitter feed, not the Pantaflix feed, having a bit of a rant this week because unfortunately, you know, I, I don't know if this will be the case with you, Avine, but maybe with you, James, or maybe not. I don't know. Cinema may be back, folks, and I said this in the previous podcast about Tenet, the, sadly, so are the cinema wankers. Unfortunately, they're back. The people that feel free to talk during the screening, treat it like their living room. We, my, my lovely wife and I went to see New Mutants last Sunday and had a, a row of people, an entire row, just basically treat it like their living room. And it got to the point when I went back to cinema on Tuesday or Wednesday this week and I actually walked out of a screening of Tenet because there was uh, people just insistent on talking, a group of teenagers and despite going to the ushers twice they did nothing and uh, I got a bit grumpy. Any of you, Avine, I know it's only one cinema screening back but was there any cinema wankers and if you don't know the cinema wanker I'm hoping that that doesn't mean that you weren't the cinema wanker in that screening, Avine. No, thankfully um, there wasn't any um, it was quite quiet. Um, like I said, there was four other people besides me and my partner. Um, but they were all pretty quiet. The only time they really talked was during the credits and the trailers. But that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. You're allowed to talk in the trailers. You're allowed to tra- well. You're allowed to talk definitely through the ads that a lot of cinemas do. Trailers, okay. The screening we were at Tenet was showing the June trailer. I kind of want to see that, and that was nice. But no, at the, particularly at the tenant screen, and it was terrible. It actually is one of the worst experiences I've had in a long, long time. And believe you me, I went full Karen listeners because I wrote a strongly worded email uh, in the days after and got a very nice response, I have to say. Um, it's just a shame that at the time it wasn't dealt with. James, you know, both as someone who works in a cinema and mm-hmm. from going, I'm sure you've been to the cinema a couple of times since they've reopened yeah. as a punter. Are you noticing that sadly the dreaded cinema wanker is resurfacing once again? Yes, yeah, so we were at um, uh, one of the movie house branches, um, me and my partner, uh, a couple of days after Tenet released. Um, 
and there is a bunch of teenagers, much like yourself, Jim, who were all sat towards the front row. And it was a big enough screen, so it didn't bother me too much, not to the point where I would, you know, go out and complain about it. But there were, you know, they were making just a lot of mess, just making a lot of noise, kind of going up and down the screen, exiting, coming in. It was distracting. Um, as obviously working in a cinema, uh, there was a very specific instance <laughs> Uh, last week where we were showing Jurassic Park, you know, and it was it was in one of our smaller screens. So there was a family who sat not in the right seats. We went in, we asked them to move immediately, straight away, started at us. Oh, is there anyone actually sitting here though? Yes, there is. Right, okay. The seats that they then moved to were also the incorrect seats. So we then, basically we had to go in about several times to ensure they were sat in the right seats to the point where uh, one of them just left. I was like, I want my money back. You know, I, I don't like being in a dark screen. I'm claustrophobic. I don't know why you're in a cinema then, but yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you you know, I have noticed they're still there, even in a pandemic. They're still around, but, yeah. you know, nothing can be done about it. You just have to deal with it, you know. Yeah. Look, we used to have a feature on this podcast many moons ago called Cinema Wanker of the Week. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm I'm... I kind of hoped that it wouldn't be something we'd have to bring back because I've come to the point that I, I, I've, I say this and I, so, I, I know I sound like an old man. I am an old man. Avian can verify that. But I, I just feel like, why do people pay in? I, I, I don't get it. Why would people pay in to not treat, to, to, not, and to sit and watch a film? I don't get it. It's, but look, let's not go down that. That is a rant that I will probably go on. I think that's a podcast feature. I am going to promise you listeners, I think Cinema Wanker of the Week will come back. It was one of my favorite features when we did it. We got some great contributions over Twitter and Facebook, but let's not get bogged down by that. Let's move on. Let's talk about New Mutants. We played a clip. James, do you want to very briefly set our listeners up? Tell us a little bit about the film itself. I don't want to get bogged down in the film's troublesome post production i would recommend to anybody listening or even either you two guys if you want to know more check out simon brew's fantastic podcast film stories where he talks about this film's problematic post-production we'll talk a little bit about it i'm sure during this podcast but just james give our listeners a little taste of what new mutants is all about Okay, so The New Mutants is basically an X-Men spin-off, um, which features on uh, these brand new mutants um, who are trying to come to terms with their powers and how to control them, uh, all within the confines of this institution run by a doctor. But as things start to develop and start to go on, they realize that not everything is as it seems. Yeah, scoop, spooky stuff. Even I think I said, I think I saw on... Twitter or Facebook, wherever you commented, might have been Instagram. Uh, I think you said you only knew about this film. Was it because we asked you to be on the podcast or just did you become aware of it like pretty recently? I only really came about it, came aware of it recently. Like I knew it was coming out, but I didn't know it was out already. And then I knew it was out whenever you asked me to come on. Um, I kn- heard about it a few years ago whenever there was like first talk about it, but then I completely forgot it existed until like two days ago yeah i think from a break i'm looking at my notes here i think the first trailer for this landed in 2017 so that's nearly three years ago i think it's shot in july 2017 
There's a lot of things at play here. It was originally a Fox title. It was going to be the 13th X-Men movie. We all know about the number 13. We know how lucky that is. And uh, this, as I've alluded to, it had a problematic post-production. It was a low-budget title that was originally meant to tie in with X-Men Apocalypse, which feels like a lifetime ago. Then, of course, we had X-Men Dark Phoenix, which I don't know if both of you have seen or either of you have seen, which... uh, I saw it cinema. I didn't think it was awful. I just thought it was a bit of an underwhelming mess and a bit of a damp squib for the X-Men franchise to go out on the big screen. This was going to be a tie-in. It was really going to be, I think, the start of three films. But then, of course, we had the Disney kind of acquisition of Fox, which meant that planned reshoots to make the film more scary or more of an outright horror uh, were cancelled. So this is, you know, it's Josh... Boone's film. Uh, either of you seen The Fault in Our Stars? Either of you seen that film? You a fan of that film, Maeve? I've read the books, I watched the film, but it's not something that I would tell people you have to watch it. You but me? did you cry? But did you cry? No. That's because you're dead inside. How can you not cry at the fault in our stars? It's 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 you know what it's 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 a, it's a, when you know the con- the the subject matter, it is a tough sell to sell to people. But um, I I didn't mind the fault in our stars. I'm far from its target audience. I think his other title was I think Stuck in Love, which I haven't seen. Uh, James, have you seen that? By any even have you? No, um, I know that was kind of where he got his reputation. But he came on board with this. It was originally going to be kind of like a John Hughes-esque breakfast club kind of thing with horror vibes. And then Fox wanted it to be more more horror-rated, more tough, a tougher film and following the success of it at the cinema. That's why they planned to do the reshoots. Then, of course, the merger came and that got canned. And this, I'll start with you, James, but I'll very briefly, I'll say, I don't think this is the mess of a film in the way that, say, like the the Fantastic Four, which was out a few years ago, was a complete mess. Now, that was a film that was taken away by its director, finished in post, I think, by with a, a strong influence from the producers, who didn't really know what they were doing. I think, was it Josh Trank? Uh, Josh Trank, uh, I can't remember the director's name, worked on that. I don't think that's, I don't think this is as much of a mess of a film as I think some people might expect. I just feel it's a bit of a cinematic meh for me because it's we know that the X-Men franchise is gone. Now, as we know, it, it's in the hands of Disney. They're probably going to reboot it, retool it. But did you still find yourself having a worthwhile cinematic experience? Was it worth your cinema ticket? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I'd followed this since its trailer released back in 2017 because I was, you know, I was working at the cinema at that time and I saw it and I was like, this looks really good. I was like a horror X-Men title. I was like, okay, you know, this, this looks great. This is something I can definitely get on board with. So having gone through the whole post-production, well, mess that it has done and to still come out the other side, I, I still find it fairly enjoyable. A bit short, definitely. You know, I would have preferred a bit more to it, but still, still worth a watch, absolutely, yeah. Were you not glad to see a film? It's clocking in, I think, around 90 minutes. How refreshing is it to go to the cinema? Look, we, we talked about Tenet last week. I think it's just in around two and a half hours, two hours 20. How great oh was God. it for the bladder? Look, I'm at that age. Maybe <laughs> you're both young, right? 
and I know even the last time we had you on the podcast, I felt like I was giving you some old man advice, but this is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you, James. There will come a time in your lives when you'll go 90 minutes. That's good for me. You know, 90 minutes, that's enough time for me for the bladder just to kind of control. I do think it ends rather abruptly. I'll, I'll be honest. It feels like it's in a rush. But I mean, did you have any, did you, are you saying kind of like, is it a good thing or a bad thing for you saying that it's 90 minutes? It's good, you know, uh, it's good and bad sort of thing. Like I say, I'm so used to watching, personally, I'm so used to seeing films now, you know, at, at like a, you know, at the earliest being like two hours long, you know, or so for me, I was like, oh, okay, you know, went in then before you know it, oh, it's over, I'm getting up to leave again. Um, so yeah, uh, that, like I said, it's the only thing that troubled me about it. Like I wish there was just a bit more to it. What there was put into it, is great and I think there's just some really cool concepts in there that it deals with and I'm not gonna lie the opening is I thought was awful but once it kind of gets past that it picks up and it's great but yeah because I'm just so used to watching you know three hour films or like Tenet was two and a half hours Mm -hmm. I'm used to sitting for a film for a long period of time so for this to be just that like pretty much by an hour and a half. I was like, oh, oh okay, we're done. Okay, cool. Sweet. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm the person that praised, uh, oh, Host, which is on Shudder, which is just under an hour. That was even better for me, but let's not go there. Aving, we've kind of waffled on a wee bit there. You know, you were kind of saying you only found about the film recently or came aware that it was hitting cinemas. So generally, without getting too spoilerific, what did you think of your first film back after lockdown? I really didn't like it. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And then I walked out and was just like, like, no offense, I mean, this in the best way possible. I was like, I'm so thankful Bunterflix invi- invited me to go see it instead of me paying for it myself because I wouldn't, if I paid for it myself, I would not have been happy with it at all. I really okay. didn't like it. Some of the stuff I liked in it, I liked some of the creatures in it. Like, I liked their look, but overall, the story just kind of at the start, I felt like it kind of dragged on and until the pivoting point and I think that took way too long to get there and then once it did get there I felt like it was very rushed I I actually would agree with you on that that is an issue for me and I want to come back to that but there is one thing I wanted to and there was a reason why even I wanted to ask you onto the pod for this because on the previous recording I'm not sure whether it was the uh Harley Quinn episode the the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey film or it was a cosplay you talked in that about being openly bisexual but was it Mm -hmm. not uh, a good thing that we have an LGBT relationship in this that isn't sensationalized it's not a big deal it's just norm was that not for you and I I know I want to come back to that but was that Mm -hmm. not something in a sense that was refreshing I know it kind of got hinted at a little bit when we talked about Birds of Prey, uh, well, uh, yeah, Birds of Prey, when we talked a bit about that, but was that not in a way a little bit refreshing, that that's there front and centre, and it's not an issue? Mm-hmm. I did really appreciate it, but also, I don't, I even like brought up to my partner, and even he kind of agreed, it kind of, I don't know if it was just the actors themselves, or what, but I just kind of got the vibe that they were uncomfortable. I don't know okay. if I was the only one who got this, but my boyfriend also felt this as well. And then because of that, it kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. So I was just like, I feel like it's more forced than they actually have a genuine connection with each other and they really like each other. For me, it was kind of like the girl who plays Arya Stark, I can't remember her. Maisie Williams. Movie, but yeah, um, she, it kind of, 
for me, it kind of shocked me as well, the fact that she was the one who also fell in love with um, Danielle because a lot of her story was very religious. And mm-hmm. even though she was hurt and scarred by her past religion, she still does stand by a lot of it, which is implied whenever someone tries to kill themselves and she mm. says well it's belief in our religion that if you kill yourself you go to hell and stuff like that so because of that to me I was shocked that she was in an LGBT relationship because her relationship with her religion kind of felt very strong that that kind of relationship would more put her off yeah I know uh, I know what you mean I, and I actually I do to an extent agree I don't know if I would say that the actors... I wouldn't agree so far that the actors were uncomfortable. That might just be a case that there's just a lack of chemistry between the two on screen. I, I do have an issue, and this is an issue generally for me, and I will come back to you in this, James. Um, the film does have uh, a problematic post-production, as we keep alluding, alluding to, and there was a lot of planned reshoots to toughen it up. But I also think that there's a film that there's no edge to it. It just feels like a film that has had all its edge taken out. And possibly, possibly, we don't know because we'll never get to see that film because the reshoot, this is not, I'm going to say it now, listeners, this is not like a Zack Snyder situation where there's footage sitting <laughs> there and people are going to, you know, cry for this to be released. The, sh- the reshoots just didn't happen because the, the, the time wasn't there. They couldn't get the actors back. And I, it's also a case of the funding and the, the Disney acquisition of Fox. So that's not going to happen, but... Um, I just think maybe had there been reshoots, there might have been more, you know, another pass on some of that stuff that might have just maybe fleshed it out. You know, James, you know, we were talking about that, you know, was, was that not a positive? I think that for me, it was something that I, I did enjoy about this film. As much as I do think it's kind of a, an exercise in futility, because as I said at the start of this, you know, the X-Men franchise is now, you know, it's in hi- on hiatus you know, Fox or Disney at some point will retool them. They'll bring it into the MCU. And this is just a, a hangover from the Fox stuff, which I've loved over the years. I've loved the X-Men. I think it's 20 years or over 20 years since 98. We had the first X-Men movie. But um, was, that, was, that, was that something at all, like the LGBT angle, that that was just in there? It's not at all an, an issue in the film. It's not sensationalized. And in the marketing for the film, it's not like when Disney released, uh, was it uh, Beauty and the Beast? Where our first ever LGBT character, on-screen kiss, and it's 20 seconds at the very end of the film. Was was that not something, at least the fact that it, the way it should be, it's completely non-sensationalist? Yeah, it just kind of, you know, it was just one of those things that it just happened. You know what I mean? Like you say, there is no bill to it. It wasn't like, oh, look at what we have here. Like, ta-da. It was just, it was just in the film. It was just included, and it's nice because story threads like that, you know, especially in films these days or in TV or whatever, it, it should just be like that. It shouldn't be made a big song and dance of. It's like, okay, we have this story thread, and there it is, just as it is. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it was nice. It was definitely nice to see that there. Yeah, something a bit different. So Yeah, and talking of something different, was it not refreshing, and I'll come back to you for this, Avian, was it not refreshing to see a comic book movie based on uh, a series I'm not that familiar with and characters I'm not that familiar with, but it wasn't going for the big scale of something like the Avengers. It was a much more stripped down. Did they, I, know you, I know you weren't that positive about the film, but was it not refreshing to see that we don't need to get... Now, I'm going to say this, 
And then I'm going to also kind of add the fact that I think the film does depressingly fall for like the the big over the top finale, which is it's a nice idea. I think the CGI in it is a bit poorly and a bit clunky executed in the film's finale. But I like the fact that here's a comic book movie that with characters I'm not that familiar with. And I've always liked that as a cinema goer, but I'm not that familiar, you know, I know we haven't even mentioned, you know, on any of the pods so far, the, the sad passing of Chadwick Boseman. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons, not only his performance, but why I love Black Panther, because I wasn't familiar with those characters. But, you know, Black Panther, I don't want to get, I don't want to go, go down that, because I know we are going to do a podcast about Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther, and just generally Chadwick Boseman. But was it not, you know, apologies for my little ramble there, Avin, but to see a comic book movie that wasn't trying to go big and over the top. It was very kind of, and in terms of its scale, it was a stripped back comic book movie. Was that not, and at least something, I know, as I said, you didn't like this too much, but was that something you applauded or do you just want more munching popcorn to Avengers? I think I wanted more, because like I said, it was kind of like very slow until the last like half an hour. So pretty much the first hour of it kind of dragged. Um, and it was refreshing with the fact that, like, I had literally no idea who any of these characters were. But that also kind of bothered me because then whenever I'm watching it and I'm like, I, I don't want to be that kind of person where I'm like, is this accurate, though? Like, is this mm. a thing that actually happens all the time? Because the girl, I cannot say her name for the life of me, but the Russian one, he had the puppet. Mm-hmm. like she gave me major kitty pride vibes at the end whenever like our dragon all came in I was just like is this like a really bad knockoff kitty pride is that what they're going for or but it was still kind of nice to be able to go in and be like this is completely brand new um I haven't seen it before so. yeah well I you know I love Anya Taylor-Joy who I think is still currently in Northern Ireland, because you know she's filming Robert Eager's latest film, The Northman. And I know there were some photos on her Instagram. She was up around the North Coast. And I absolutely adore Anya Taylor-Joy. She's, God knows how old she is. She's maybe, what, in her early 20s, late teens. I think she's a sensational actor. I had the pleasure of interviewing her and was completely intimidated because she's just fantastic but uh i i do think she's a little bit wasted i think she's you know we've had two russian accents in the last kind of week in cinema we've had sir kenneth branagh's and we've had anya taylor joys and anya taylor joys is very much blah 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 i'm russian yes i'm russian i love the blah and um it was a bit too tongue-in-cheek for me i it was just me i, I think she's a great actress I think she deserved more. But then again, we come back to this, and I know I'm a broken record in this. Would the reshoots have fixed that? Because here's the question I want to ask both of you. I can't understand why this film's a 15. I genuinely can't understand why this film's a 15 certificate. I had the same... uh, I had the same kind of question whenever a couple of... Last year, sorry. I had the same question last year when we went to see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's a film I liked... I was I wasn't as hard on it as some critics were, but I could not understand why that film wasn't a twelve A, and I can't understand why this film is a fifteen certificate and not a twelve A. Can either of you tell me 
why this film is a 15 certificate or why you think it might be a 15 certificate? Well, the, the Slender Man looking creatures would certainly inflict like nightmares upon a child, to be, to be fair. <laughs> but personally, that's what I think. But. Well, 12A is not a child. Like a tw- like twelve A is you know, we get into the whole viewing certificate thing. Like there's a PG, then we have twelve A, twelve A. It is for children age twelve over, unless you think your child is tough enough to sit through it. And cinema is not a babysitting service. But I genuinely can't. When you think about films and their classification, you look at like say it chapter one and chapter two, which I think were both fifteen certificate. The Joker. I know there was a controversy last year about Joker. People thought it should have been an 18 rather than a 15. There was nothing. And again, broken record. Sorry, listeners. The plan was with these reshoots to toughen up the film. In the light of the success of the two It films, they wanted to make a, a tougher horror film. And we never got that. And I, I that was my thing. I wanted... I am a horror nut. Anybody, know, anybody who regularly listens to this will know that. I am a horror fan. I never find myself at any point unsettled. Either of you, any point uh, unsettled during this? I know you've kind of mentioned the Slenderman-esque character, which I thought had potential, but again, he he was there and then he plays a, a role to an extent in the finale. But what, show, me, show me, the first time we see him, I thought, okay, a bit creepy. But once you show me quite a lot of him, the scare factor is gone. But that's that's just me. Either of you at all unsettled during this because if it is being sold as a horror movie of sorts or albeit based at a teen audience it didn't work for me as a horror for me the slender man creatures they reminded me of victor zaz in the birds of prey Mm. movie like with the outfit and all so because of that after i kind of saw that connection i could not take them seriously and every time i saw them i just thought victor zaz just because of the way they were dressed and then the chest tattoos and stuff like that. And then I didn't understand why they were dressed like that and with the tattoos and stuff. I'm like, is this meant to be that girl's like father and is that how she sees them and stuff like that? But they didn't explain that. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, there's a lot of stuff happens. And I think you mentioned even about in the last half hour, there's kind of like, right, we've got to ramp things up. We've got to ramp the action up. We've had almost an hour now of some, for good or bad, character stuff, which is always good. I always will give a film uh, a hall pass if it says, right, I'm going to give room for character here and try to give us interesting characters. I do think some of the characters are a bit bland. Anya Taylor-Joy's blah Russian accent does get in the way. I wanted more from her character. She's kind of the kind of token rent-a-bitch at the start of this. And then kind of by the end of it, it's kind of her kind of bitchiness has been ironed out. But I just come back to my point. This is a film that for me is a product of design by committee that has had all the edgy stuff or the potential for something that might be edgy taken out of it and it just feels like a very safe film that had potential for more and watching it the whole time which you should never do when you're watching a film I kind of find myself going I wish I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors because this reminds me a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors and when you have a cast that has Maisie Williams, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Heaton and Blue Hunt I just think the, the cast is there 
the potential is there. It's it's just a big, anything I like about it is down to the actors' performances. Yeah. It's just a shame that what they're saying is just a bit bland and generic. I've kind of rambled on a wee bit there, James. Anything you want to pick up on there or anything you kind of want to disagree with me or what, or even what Avian was saying earlier on? No, like I, that's, you know, like it's, um, your opinions are both, they're both valid. I, I understand what you mean. Um, Avian, I sense a butt coming on here. I sense a butt coming on here with the way he's saying, okay, go, go, on, okay, okay. <laughs> like, All right, let's see what you got. <laughs> But no, <laughs> there it is. No, um, I it's, it's for me. I didn't, you know, like I Anya Taylor Joy's accent. Yeah, um, I kind of sat there and I was like, "Yep, you're really giving this, you know, one hundred and ten percent a very uh, typical Russian accent, as you would." So. She, she's someone that's great with accents. When you see her on oh, screen yeah. and other stuff, she she. I mean, I think she is an identic memory. She has kind of a photographic memory. She. Uh, uh, apologies might not make the cut but she 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 has i think isn't the term photographic memory she can remember a lot and uh she picks accents up quite naturally she's great at that i mean i love her as a performer i think she's great there was a film out about two three years ago where i first kind of really noticed her after the witch called thoroughbreds and if you've yeah. never seen it listeners i would really strongly cool. recommend it it's fucking brilliant and that was when I got to interview and I thought she was great in that. But here I just thought it was like, you have A-list talent and you're basically getting them to deliver the phone book rather than a really good script. And, and it, you know, it sounds like I'm being really down in this film. I'm not because I'm pleasantly surprised. I think I went in with so low expectations. I expected this to be like something along the lines of Fantastic Four, which was just an abomination of a film. It was just a mess. This is not, but it just for me feels like a 90-minute feature that has no edge, that has, has potential for stuff. I've, we mentioned the LGBT kind of betrayal. We've mentioned that there is some potential for engaging characters, but just the script isn't there. So that's my rebuttal, James, to your attempted half-hearted butt. <laughs> there we go. Ball no, back in your court, son. Ball's <laughs> back in your court. See, I never, I never like debates in this podcast, so I'm just because <laughs> I'm never gonna win. <laughs> you could win. No, I, I, this is not, this is not a dictatorship. This is not, <laughs> this is not like kind of Stalin in the post Second World War. This is a, a nice democracy. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. It just so happens that yours is wrong and mine is right. That's the way it works. <laughs> I just think personally, for all that it went for post production, as we keep saying, you know, for what it came out as in the end. It could have been a lot worse. Um, mm. I was happy enough for what we got, and I was happy enough for the performances and the story. You know, even though a little bit droll at times, I, I was just happy. I was content. There we go. So, all right. Well, I'm glad that you were happy and content. Even you clearly weren't happy yeah. and content. <laughs> Am I the only one as well who also noticed how bad the accents were? Like it wasn't just with the girl that you've rambled about, Jim, I can't remember her name and don't really care to. But, like, everyone's accents were really... One moment, it was really strong, and the next moment, it was, like, really off. Like, that guy, Sam, who was supposed to be in shootings, like, his accent suddenly was such like this, and he was, like, Carol Baskin, and the next thing, you know, he was just American. And I was just like, what is going on? Well, not American, like, L.A. kind mm. of accent. It was very back and forth. And then again with the girl, like um, Kizzy Williams, or is that what you call her? 
I'm Maisie just going to call her Aria Sark because that's all I remember her by. But her accent as well was like really Scottish and then it went back to really American. And I was just like, where are the accents going? The, her accent was all over the place. Yeah. It just wasn't as noticeable as Anya Taylor-Joy's I am Russian I uh, uh, and, and yeah. is there a line she says that was just so oh come on uh, we are all a little bit I, I, I don't know what accent I was going with there I'm a bit like Anya Taylor-Joy now we're all a little we're all a little bit magic we're all magic and I was like oh come on please somebody surely should have done another pass in this screenplay even before we talk about the post-production issues the screenplay just is a bit meh and i come back it just feels like something that's been pulled designed by committee that has interest and ideas but never really explores them have both of you seen this is the thing old man moment number five six seven of this podcast have both of you seen nightmare on elm street part three dream warriors no no, oh my god! I have the full collection on Blu-ray up in that cupboard, but I've that, yet to watch that only makes it worse, James. I'm not going to lie. That makes you worse. Yeah, I, like Avine hasn't seen it, and she's like, you know what? Probably won't get to watch it. Probably won't bother. You're like, oh yeah, I've got a box set, but I never bothered watching it. It's Can we just edit that out then. You know, just pretend it up. No, no, no. This, this, just this. Like, dishonor on you, dishonor on your cry. You know, just <laughs> tut, tut, tut. <laughs> this this is just gonna this is gonna stay in, but um, I would definitely recommend if I know. Okay, I haven't watched this even. I get a sense that I'm not going to be able to sell Dream Warriors to you because you didn't like no. this film. But I I think James, you would like Dream Warriors. You know, it's probably you know a lot of people's second favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You know, it's you know behind the original. We had the second one that no one likes, apart from me, because of all its homoerotic overtones and the kind of uh, the stuff that goes on in there between Freddy and we have uh, a male scream queen, which is interesting stuff when you look back at it now through 2020's eyes. But Dream Warriors, it has its idea and it's executed much better. Like this idea, and I don't want to go too much into spoiler territory, but... I think everybody, even if you weren't watching, even if like in some of the cinema goers when I was watching this film treated this like their living room and just talked the whole way through it, I think anybody could see the supposed plot twist of what was going on. I, I called it quite early and it's something that always underwhelms me. When you're ahead of a film and you can say, I bet this is going to be that and this is going to be caused by that. I don't want to go into spoilers because it's not a spoiler pod, but were either of you kind of underwhelmed by the reveal of what the finale and what actually was going on in the end? 100%. Yeah. I was so disappointed. I was like, that's it. I was like, the way how they hyped it up, there was mm. going to be such a big twist, but then that, it was like only that and I was just like, oh, I think the most shocking thing was the bear at the end. But if that's the most shocking thing, then I think it says a lot about the film. Mm. And even that, a poorly executed CGI bear, which I, I just, that's, I come back to that thing I said earlier on. I love the fact that this is a, a superhero film, a comic book movie that isn't trying to be over the top and it's, it's spectacle of what's going on but yet in its finale feels the need to kind of say, right, we need a big over-the-top action sequence. But then, you know, how really could you have 
wrapped it up in a kind of in a in a kind of under par way. I don't know, James. Your your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's, I I don't really know what else you could. You do. loved it, basically, is what you're saying. You just want to say I loved it. You had <laughs> yeah, I no, went but... I went with my partner. We munched some popcorn, and you had fun, as Brian Mulholland from Film Devar would say to quote, you know, Maximus from Gladiator, were you not entertained? I, I was, yeah, but, you know, I do agree with your points that, yeah, the CGI thing at the end was a bit, you know, it's a bit meh, and it could have been a better finale. I was just, I mean, just a little bit of me, just a tiny bit of me was half expecting, like, oh, look, here comes backup. It's the X-Men. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> not that that was ever going to happen, but, you know, I can dream, right? I can, I can dream, you know? Yeah, you can be like uh, I forget the name of the character in Les Mis I dreamed a dream you know all that kind of stuff but James you know this I said at the start of this early on that this started life as a spin-off from X-Men Apocalypse it was originally going to be set in the 80s there's not really that much they, they kind of rejigged it and I think they rejigged it as they were going on that they moved it that I think it's it's set now, but I don't think you really, it, it could, it kind of could be timeless. You know, it could have been set in the 80s, could have been set in the 90s. It was going to tie in to Apocalypse, as I say, because there's a whole stuff in that film about the, is it the Essex? The Essex Corporation? Yeah. And it's mentioned in this. Now, I don't know how invested you both are in comic book lore, but that kind of hints at a character like Mr. Sinister from the X-Men franchise, which is someone we never really got to see in the franchise. I'm surprised that we never got to see that character really kind of explored in the series. He's someone who, of course, explore, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? He's someone in that um, experiments on mutants. And I, it was a nice nod, but I come back to the point, it feels like it's a nod to nothing because we're not going to go forward with this. And the thing that it's not into X-Men franchise, the central X-Men franchise already kind of decided to make a massive detour from X-Men apocalypse. The things, the breadcrumbs that they left, they didn't even want to bother dealing with that. They decided let's go for the, uh, Oh God, the dark Phoenix storyline that they went with in such underwhelming fashion. Like would either of you, I get, I'm going to guess I know the answer from Avian already, but you know, Mm -hmm. if there was an option, you know, would you want to see, more of these characters like would you want to see a new mutants too would you want to see maybe a spin-off i know i've seen a lot of stuff like the likes of hbo max and stuff on the small screen would you want to see these characters kind of examined once again even or are you just like nah i'm, I'm done I've, I've spent my 90 minutes with them that's enough see this might shock you but i actually would because the characters themselves all seemed pretty interesting and i I think what also put me off as well was all their backstories besides from Danielle was very just like, here you go, we're going to talk about this for like five minutes and just carry on with something else. Um, because of that, that also kind of made me be like, uh, I don't really like this very much. Because like, again, with the Russian girl, like her backstory never really, you didn't really go into it. Um, the Sunspot, I think that's what you call them. Um you literally went into his story for like two minutes, but even that, it didn't really go into it. Showed a picture of him with his girlfriend, and then he said in the pose that he burned her, he burned her. That was it. So I'm just like, I kind of wanted more from the backstory. I wanted mm-hmm. to learn more about the characters, and I feel like if there was a second movie, they could go more into detail about that, where like, say, it took them 
once they leave like on the trek trying to find somewhere to go uh, while they're doing that like you learn about each other's pasts and stuff which I think would be quite interesting to see mm. but I feel like with the way how they did it in the film it was very short and you didn't get to learn much aside from Danielle and her I'm just going to call her her love interest but I don't remember her name and yeah you didn't really learn much yeah. What about YouTube? It's like, I mean, we're, we're speaking here. It's not going to happen. Disney are pretty much happy now to take the hit in this. It's probably, it's probably something that's been, you know, considered in the acquisition. And, you know, at one point, it's, it's quite open. That in, it's open knowledge that at one point, it's either Fox or actually might have been Disney where it just said, we could just drop this. We could just bin this. 45 million. How, much, how, how great would it be if we just say, we're just going to write off 45 million, which is what they had spent at that time. But they they seem happy. They At one point, they were going to just, as I say, drop this. But now I think they're just happy to take the financial hit and get it out into big screen. But uh, we're talking hyp- hypothetically here. Would you want to see more? Would you want to spend more time in the world of the New Mutants? Or do you yeah, think there's a case of, nah? No, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd very much like to see more of them. Um, in particular, uh, Magic, which is Anya Taylor-Joy's character. Um. Because I did a little research afterwards and found out that in the comic book series, she's actually the sister of Colossus mm-hmm. from the X-Men. I was like, oh, okay, I was like, see, that, that's really cool. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, maybe if they followed something, even with just her, and be like, oh, you know, she tracks down her brother or whatnot. Because in the film, it's very, you know, it's very not so subtly references that, oh, you know, are they you know, in this facility, getting trained up to be part of, you know, the main crew, as it were, you know, the, the X-Men. Um, and like you said, the Essex Corporation gets brought into it and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it would be good if it was followed up. You know, maybe it doesn't have to be big screen. Maybe just like, a, like you were saying, you know, a TV series on HBO Max or Netflix or something like that. You know, I think it would be, it'd be worth it. Probably not ever going to happen, but... You know, maybe maybe in the future, who knows? Yeah. Maybe someone to think about. So, yeah. And at least, like, Magic does an appearance in Deadpool with Colossus or something like that. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, because Colossus was in Deadpool as well, so yeah. Well, we don't know where we're going to be with the Deadpool 3. Ryan Reynolds doesn't seem to know. You know, he's not certain what's going to happen. Probably at some point something will happen with our new... Disney overlords deciding that there's money in Deadpool 3, which will be weird because that'll still technically be set in the Fox verse. If you read to you have I know Deadpool, the writers, the character doesn't care. You know, he's quite happy to take the piss out of everything. You know, he's quite happy to kind of cross the, cross the kind of various universes and stuff, but it would be technically set in the Fox verse. That is gone. Um, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I know there's a lot of, like, uh, there's a couple of questions we want to fire off before we wrap things up. But um, I know there's a, I think it's the character um, that Henry Zaga plays, um, Roberta da Costa. Um, I think there has been controversy about him, about kind of the fact that the character's, you know, I think colored in the, in the comics, but he's not kind of playing, you know, what are your thoughts? And I mean, I know it, it, it's getting to it kind of a very, big debate about we've seen a lot of this whitewashing of central roles we saw Scarlett Johansson with Ghost in the Shell you know what are your general thoughts on that it wasn't an issue for me but then that's because I come back to I'm not familiar with the source material I'm genuinely not I'm treating this as its own cinematic 
thing and that's what it is but for people that are invested in comic books i'm sure that this means so much more and they've every right as fans to be annoyed about certain things but just generally i know it's a, a hot topic and it's a a big discussion so i don't want to be too flippant about it but just james having your kind of your thoughts on on those big issues yeah, like I don't really know the, the comic book source material either. Like I said, I only had done research on Google afterwards to find out that Magic was Claus's sister and all that. So for me, it didn't it didn't bother me. It's uh, it wasn't something I was aware of. Mm. So yeah, it didn't really take away from anything for me. Yeah, Evening. Well, now that I've now known that, it kind of annoys me because black people already, I feel in the superhero universes, don't get as much representation as white heroes so for them to whitewash a white character even if it is such a small and crap maybe like this one I feel like it shouldn't happen and that they should give them that especially right now with everything that's going on um that they need to stop whitewashing black characters or Asian characters or any characters basically that aren't white to stop doing it because at the end of the day like why are they doing that? There's probably a black actor out there who probably could play him really well and even better, in fact, but there's no yeah. reason for casting a white actor over a black one for a white character. No, for well, a black character. Well, I think the honest answer is it's, it's seen as, you know, the, the actor that's playing him is, he's still from, I think it's Brazilian heritage, you know, it's just the fact that his, his skin colour is a lot lighter than that of the comic book character it's it's a discussion that i know has been going on in cinema for quite some time we have definitely moved on from the days of blackface we have moved on from that you know i mentioned like the the scarlett johansson and per scarlett has had a few incidents of this i think was it a couple of years ago she was going to play a trans character and then yeah. stepped away from the role um I'm afraid, I, I don't mean this to offend people, I am someone who's always kind of said, you know, if, if the actor's right for the role, you know, regardless of skin colour, but that's not to say if the character is is a, is a written from a, a black background or a black character, a, a white character, a white actor should not be playing that role. But I've always been kind of like that sense, like if, if there's a reason for the cast and if there's a genuine reason for the cast and beyond kind of star power, by all means, or if it's just down to the performance. That's my honest kind of two, two cents on that. Um, as I said, it wasn't something I was aware of. It's only kind of after uh, I seen the film, I was doing a bit of research, I became aware that the controversy around that. And it was because, as I said, so I, I don't really know these characters. I'm sure if there's characters who are invested, as we always say, you know, if you're a fan of something, you've every right to be invested and emotionally invested in something. And if something has upset you or annoyed you, if you have a fair reason to be so, that's it. You know, my, my last question to both of you, we, we talked about this film being kicked about for a while. And it seems strange to be saying this, you know, because it's one of the few big cinematic releases right now. Beyond Tenet, we've seen that Mulan has went down the Disney+. Plus. James, I'm sure, will go off on a rant about this at some point. I seen him on Facebook a while ago talking about this. Avine's looking like she's ready to go off on a rant about that. But <laughs> is cinema the right place for this? You know, I'm kind of glad it's not went down. I think I think Disney just realised, in all honesty, to to put this down a prem, premium rental route. I don't think it would have found an audience at all. Because if you're going to say, if you really want to watch this, you're going to have to pay, I think it's like 16 quid uh, through Fox's kind of like the like the way Trolls World Tour did. 
you're going to have to pay 16 quid to see this, which is to an extent cheaper than a cinema ticket for some people. But I don't think, I don't think they knew it wasn't getting an audience, possibly like a Netflix or Amazon Prime. It might have found its home. I don't know. Is my, I think, I know, I know where Avian's going to be in this, but you know, is my life all the better for seeing this on the big screen? The big screen experience that we're told right now is so precious. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm glad I saw Tenet at the cinema. I would have quite happily watched this at home with a beer on a Friday or Saturday night. But James, you know, where are you coming in? As someone who works in a cinema, you know, are you glad to see this at least on the big screen? Or do you yeah, think it's, it's... I, I was glad it got its theatrical release. I think that it happened at the wrong time, though. Um, I understand, obviously, due to, as we keep referring, all the setbacks this had endured and all the delays. But in the wake of Tenet, it, you know, it wasn't ever going to gather much attraction anyway. People, people came back to the cinema for Tenet. Tenet is... Some people are referring to it as was the saviour of you know the summer blockbuster season, or other people are looking at it you know as like the saviour of cinema in a way because it drew people back out again. So for New Mutants to come in so soon after it, I think it kind of missed the mark entirely. And it, and who knows, maybe if it had a release normally, you know, before these times, it could have got uh, maybe not massive numbers, but it maybe could have got you know at least a fair crowd in. But I think coming so soon after Tenant, it it kind of you know, arrived to a whimper rather than a, an uproar, but that's just my, my opinion on it. Do you not think, though, in a way, and I will come back to you, Avian, in a minute to see what you think on this, but and it's only because yesterday I went to cinema for the, the third time in the space of 10 days, and I know there are, other, there are other films that are out there right now. It's a limited kind of available. There's a limited selection at cinemas, at most cinemas, un- unless you kind of go down like going to see Black Panther or going to see a new Jurassic Park's been back, the extended Harry Potter, not the extended Harry Potters, the extended Lord of the Rings, you know, Harry Potter's been back in the cinema as well. But for new releases, you know, as great as it is to see Tenet, and I know I'm kind of sounding like I'm someone who was quite underwhelmed by this film, mm-hmm. but cinema goers want more than Tenet. You know, I, I don't really want to go see Tenet five, six times at the cinema. I've been to see it three, well, two and a half times, technically. But I, I don't really want to go keep seeing that one film. I think we do need choice. And we hear that, I think, uh, Wonder Woman might be delayed uh, that little bit more. We know that I think the next big release is probably Bill and Ted, which is out next week. I think it's from the 16th of September. That's going to be out. So whilst I think this is a bit of an underwhelming film, it's probably it's good there that at least there's something else new that we haven't seen. You know, beyond that, the only things I've seen so far at the cinema has been Stage Mother and The Vigil, both which I thought were pretty meh. They weren't sensational. Tenet's been the best of a bunch, but Tenet was always designed. It was always going to be on the big screen. Those are films that may not have actually been released on the cinema had we been in. I can't. I know listeners can't see these, but my air quotes normal circumstances but you don't think at least we've got in a way punters james are getting a bit of a choice whether you know you know your 50 year old guy uh, a 50 year old couple will want to go see new mutants or whether they'll just be like we're here for tenant and that's it yeah it's it is good that there's variety whether it is you know a big film like tenant or something new like new mutants or whether it is some of these other titles that were put out there the likes of unhinged as you said stage miller the vigil 
uh, Spree as well. However, I just throw it in real quickly. Spree was um, <laughs> Spree was described as American Psycho for the digital age, and for that, I will never forgive whoever wrote that article. Never. But anyway, that's, uh, that's an entirely separate. Not that you're biased. <laughs> See back to previous episode where James had a loving, if that's the right word, with Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Yeah, just, just a tad, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. You know, there is these other films available. It isn't the big blockbusters we're used to seeing, and of course, understandable given how you know America still is this current time. Um, so yeah, it, it is great that people can still come and choose variety, even if it is something like a wee indie title that no one's heard of, or whether it is a bring it back classic that you know people knew and love. Um, so yeah, it's it's just going to be interesting. You know, what I mean, we're just going to have to sort of play it by ear in the next couple of months. Uh, and just see what happens with in terms of release schedule for, for other big up and coming titles. Yeah. So if it, I get a sense, right. So you, you weren't that fussed in this. So I'm going to guess, and you kind of alluded that at the very start, you kind of alluded at the start of this, that had we not paid for you to go, how very honest of you, you probably wouldn't have seen this. Right. No. So I'm going to guess that, that you're not that fussed, whether you saw this in the big screen or the small screen or whatever, because you're just not that fussed in the film. Here's the question from someone who's been shielding for a while. Mm-hmm. You were kind of saying you weren't in a rush to see New Mutants anyway. Would a film like Tenant, like have you planned or are you going to go see Tenant on the big screen or would it have been, if, would it have been, if, go on ahead. I feel after this, I'm going to have to look into what Tenant is because I'm only hearing about this now. <laughs> um, I only heard about Tenant now. The only movies that I've been hearing about that's coming out is like Black Widow and Wonder Woman and stuff like that, but I haven't been hearing about Ten or New Mutants. But I do see why it's smarter to put it out in the cinema, but I don't think this was the right time to because I feel like this would be like the perfect film for do you ever get whenever you were like a younger, like teenager, you're like 15, A long, long time like, ago even, yeah. You can't really go out to the pub to take and um, you can't take anyone out to like to like a pub to drink or anything like that. So for your date, you bring her to a cinema and you're not there to enjoy it. Basically, long story short, you're just there to be a cinema winker. And I feel like that'd be the right movie. I, I don't know if I can condone that. I don't, this is this has opened up a can of worms for you, Evie. Now, so you're what? saying, you, so if I'm right, if I've picked you up right, so you're happy to if there's nothing else on, you'll go see New Mutants. Or something like that, just so you can go and be a cinema wanker. Well, not me personally. I'm not that bad. I've dated mm-hmm. a few people that are like that. On um, long story short, as you can tell, I'm not with them anymore. <laughs> yeah, because you're a cinema um, wanker. But for younger <laughs> people, I can see that would be the perfect movie for them. And because of that, I feel like cinema would get a lot more tickets bought because of that. I think you like. I don't know how to word it properly, but I think you kind of get what I mean. Like, it's, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm, on, I'm only being. I'm only being partner, mischievous. But not to. I'm only being mischievous. That's. I'm only doing it for the devilment. But the key question I was kind of getting at, right, is come back to because I haven't really touched on this. I'm going to seem. I'm going to assume, James, you haven't watched Mulan. Uh, no. Kevin, you haven't watched Mulan. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. That's a film that Disney have decided to bypass cinemas. They've put it on their Disney Plus service plus uh, at an extra premium, right? But the question I would have asked, and just because you've been... And I get a sense, I know the answer already. I could be wrong. But would a film like Mulan 
even been something you'd have said, right, okay, I'll go to the cinema to see that. Not whether Banderflix had asked you or not, but you... And I also know, like, you've mentioned the likes of Black Widow, the likes of Wonder Woman. You are a cosplayer, so you probably have an invested interest in there to see costumes, to get ideas. I don't know. We're coming back to that issue, which I think we discussed in the previous podcast we had you on about kind of the kind of racial kind of issues when you for for Mulan about cosplaying as a character would you cosplay as a character like Mulan whether or not that's but regardless of that discussion that's a discussion we've had a previous time but with a film like Mulan because you've just said to me you you haven't even heard have, are you saying you haven't heard of Tenet before we even started this recording yep okay okay it, it, it's a film that's going to save cinema that's the thing right not new mutants so you haven't heard about but would you have been Said, would you would a film like Mulan is basically the roundabout way of saying would that had we never asked you would you have said right I'll go see that in the cinema? Hundred percent because before I knew all the controversy behind Mulan now I really wanted to go see it anyway because Mulan hands down has always been my favorite Disney movie. I was about to say Disney princess but she technically isn't a princess but I'm not going to get into that. But she's one of my favorite. Disney characters so I really 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 wanted to go see it but now after what Disney's done with putting it on Disney Plus so you have to pay for the subscription for the month and then the extra £30 they're basically treating it like an OnlyFans and I'm not here for that right now Um, I don't want to pay £30 to go see a film whenever I can like in my home whenever I can pay a fiver to go see it in the cinema but they're not giving you that option so I'm just like I'm not going to see it I'm probably going to wait until it's for free in December Mm-hmm. Well, the only good thing I will say in Disney's defense, compared to other premium rentals, that it's not a rental. You're basically paying, I, th- I think it's, you're saying it's 30, I think it's 20, 20 pound here in the UK. You can, I think it's $30 or 20 pounds sterling here in the UK. You can pay, but you can watch it as many times as you want until, you know, it's free to air on Disney Plus's service. James, I do remember vaguely. I think it was either uh, just a long Facebook rant. I don't know if it was a, a video or whether it was just a post, but you were, again, you have an invested interest. You work in a cinema. So, you know, as they say that at the start of this, but you were clearly very grumpy about that. Because I, I, I genuinely thought, because I defended Disney at the time, I said, right, it's a bold move. Because I thought the strategy was put it premium rental, but also release it in cinemas where cinemas are open. And then you give cinema punters the choice or you give cinema goers the choice to decide, do I want to sit and watch it at home or do I go to the big screen and pay for what I'm told is the way to watch the film on the big screen with my popcorn, whatever, whatever you munch on when you're there. So I was surprised as many when they just said, no, we're just bypassing cinemas. We're going straight to premium rental. And I don't think it's worked for them. I don't think, which is probably good, which I think had it worked, You've mentioned Black Widow. There would have been the possibility that would have went down the same way. I, I still come back to this issue. I have no problem with premium rental services and premium access, but give customers the choice. That's that's the thing for me. If a cinema is open, okay, we take out of we take America out of the situation where so many cinemas can't open because of the COVID pandemic. I think it's New York and LA are really badly hit. And those are big cinema areas and territories. I think Mulan has been released theatrically in China, which is a big, massive audience. I could be wrong, listeners or James or even feel free to correct me. But I've always said this because when Trolls World Tour, I think that was Universal, released that, they came out and said, look, 
Trolls World Tour has been a huge success for us. We have earned as much from this as we would had we released it theatrically. So it's great. It's a huge success. We're going to push premium rentals wherever we can. And I know they've negotiated with a couple of cinema. I think it's AMC. They've now got a shorter release window for titles as a result of that. There's no denying. There's, there's, there's things here. Chris Patterson from Causeway Pictures has said to me repeatedly, it's game-changing moments here. Game-changing moments in cinema and cinematic distribution. But my argument has always been give people the choice and then you will see where your audience lies. Release Mulan in the cinema and do premium rental. See where the bums on seats or where the money goes. Is it online or is it in cinema? And that's my, and I think, you know, we kind of seeing this is going to be done with Bill and Ted, which I know in America has went premium rental already, but where cinemas are open, it has been released there. Next week here in the UK, it's been released, I think, just cinematically. I don't think it's getting a rental service here. I could be wrong, but I'm waiting to see a, a, a film that offers up that option. And I kind of went off on a long, long little rant there, James, and that's what I'm famous for. But just generally, I know you were very annoyed about the Mulan kind of thing. I, and again, I come back to that point. You, you are someone who you work in a cinema, so of course you want to kind of believe in the big screen cinematic experience. But do you think, like, coming back, roundabout way, New Mutants, we were kind of saying, you know, it's great that people are getting a choice, but I think it might have found its home potentially on a Netflix or Amazon Prime. And as we're just both here, and Aving didn't have a clue about Tenet, which is not, I'm not, and I don't mean that, I'm not getting it in any way. Even I'm just trying to basically say, okay, there is Tenet, which is seen as the saviour of cinema, the film that is the big screen experience. But we've also had a film, Mulan, that was for so long was heralded as a big, big moment for Disney and a big cinematic moment for what, for Disney. And they just decided, nah, we'll do it premium rental. So there's a lot of stuff there, James, you have to pick up the threads for so yeah. <laughs> far away. Um, okay, so with Mulan, yeah, um, I may as well start with that one. Yeah, um, I'm like Avian. I would have went and saw it myself. I was very much looking forward to it um, because I mostly I haven't been a fan of the, the live-action remix. I, don't, I personally don't see the point in them. I personally just see it as Disney. Being a you know milking the cow, just trying to make money off of you know kind of material that's been done before, and especially with the Lion King, I really didn't get it because they changed absolutely nothing, and they called it live action, not really live action because you're using CGI animals. But anyway, different rant. Yeah, so Mulan, I was looking forward to it. It very much focused heavily on you know there was no dancing dragon, Mushu, and I was like okay, okay, you know this is very much more like a setup, kind of like an action kind of gave me, you know, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sort of vibes to it. I was like, okay, you know, I'm really hyped for this. Awesome. And then Disney comes along and as you said, you know, they're like, nope, that's it. Scrap it. We're just going to go straight to premium rental. Now, something I didn't know, Jim, which you just said there, um, is that whenever you actually purchase it, that's yours to, to keep and you can watch as many times as you want. To I my understanding, didn't... to my understanding, yeah. I know on... Um... I know like the likes of say Trolls World Tour people think I'm fucking obsessed with Trolls World Tour but <laughs> to my knowledge when it was released you had 24 hours to watch it and you could watch it as many times as you want but then it was gone to my knowledge and feel free to email in I am at James Oliver whatever James's Twitter feed is or message me <laughs> James Oliver uh, if I'm incorrect on in this but I'm pretty certain that you can watch that to your heart's content until it goes well you'll still be able to watch it uh once it goes free at the end of the year on disney's service but 
that's my understanding as we sit and record right now that Disney have to say that was their kind of caveat to kind of get around a lot of criticism because they had already pulled Artemis Fowl. Uh, I know there's a lot. I think they did the remake of Lady and the Tramp, which is okay. I've watched it. It's on Disney Plus's streaming service. But I know I've spoke to a couple of programmers who said that would have found an audience at a cinema had we been able to screen it, you know, particularly for family family films always find an audience. For Mulan now to be completely bypassing that, I'm kind of reassured, not just from looking at you two guys that you haven't you haven't bought it, but I don't think it's done the money. I don't think it's done what Disney had hoped at all uh, in terms of its revenue, which means that probably at least we will see Disney at least saying, right, we have to back up and support cinematic distribution because that is where the audience wants to experience these films firsthand. Yeah, um, with Trolls, as you were saying, see, we got Trolls back in. So did so whenever we reopened, Trolls is one of the films that we got back. And not just saying this to try and, you know, like, make it sound like, oh, we're awesome, but, you know, sold out shows. You know, you got families coming in, loving it. Great. There's a film that, you know, went to straight to premium rental within the first week of lockdown. Completely understandable, you know, had nowhere else to go or to put it. So... But yet, you know, you have all these families, whenever cinemas reopen, they're coming in, they're watching it, they're selling out our screens. Well, limited capacity selling out. But, you know, and that, to me, that gave me a lot of hope because it showed me that, okay, there's still families that, you know, you've been in the house for four months or whatever, furlough, everything else that's happened. And, you know, you're still wanting to come back with your family. You're still wanting to take them on day out to see, a, you know, a big, great kids film um, such as Trolls. Mulan, I wish had done the same thing. I wish Disney had have allowed it to go theatrically, even if it had meant holding off that bit longer. Because, you know, it's like you say, family films like that, you're always going to get bums and seats. No you're going to get bums and seats. The only thing I will say, the only thing I will say, and I know we bring this point up every time we discuss the premium rental thing, sixteen ninety nine or whatever it is, for some families, that is probably cheaper than a trip to the cinema. Now, I know that right now in the kind of current post- kind of COVID, we're not post-COVID, but post-lockdown situation, there are cinemas like the cinema, the, the nameless cinema that you work in, James, that are offering reduced ticket admission. You know, the, the tickets aren't as expensive as they once, once were. Other cinemas I know do like a family deal for, like if you're going as a family, you get a discount that way. But, mm. you know, for some, there, there's no denying that. For some families, you know, the, the, the thought of paying... Sixteen ninety nine, you know, is probably say well. By the time we get to the cinema, you've got car parking, admission, snacks. We all know. Hey, my parents took me. Hey, we all know. You know, I've rounded out well. That's all we can say on that front. But um, we all like our snacks when we go to the cinema. That's probably cheaper. But I come back to that point, and you know, even feel free to interject. You know, as I see you nodding your head. You know, it, it's choice is what I want as a cinema goer. It's choices I want. If I want, if if the premium rental is there as an option, like here's a question, Avian, right? Had it this been at the heart at the start of lockdown, and you were shielding health reasons, as we say with asthma, would you have considered? And I know I'm not trying to, what's the word here? I'm not trying to preload the kind of your response and kind of force a kind of a, a yes, Jim. That's exactly what I would have done in your answer. But do you think like had that been released at the start of lockdown? 
20 quid, whatever it is, you could watch it as many times as you want. You weren't going to be going anywhere because, let's be honest, at the, at the heart of lockdown, at the start of lockdown, we were all a bit shit scared of COVID. Not to say, I think some people have definitely got blasé, but that's a discussion for a podcast like Slugger O'Toole. And for someone like you who, was, who suffers from asthma, I'm sure you were, I know our very own Jess Blair was very terrified. And she won't yeah. mind me saying that. Uh, off, yeah, uh, I was really scared when my uncles then caught it as well. Then after that, I was just like, right, I'm definitely staying in. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, and I get as I say, I'm not trying um, to force. I'm but, not trying to force. Uh, yes, Jim, that's what I would have done. Response, but do you think at that time when there was nothing out, do you think uh, like a twenty pound premium for Disney Plus for something like Mulan, you, would you have considered it? Like right now, you're saying I'm not paying it, but would you have no. considered it back then? Even then, no. Like at the time, I was just like, mm, I'll think about it, but I really don't think I will. Um, and I was also really disappointed as well that they decided to push it off and then put it online as well because, like I said, Mulan was my favourite Disney film and it was coming out on my birthday. That's whenever it was meant to come out and then I got delayed and I was just like, well, my birthday's just fucked. But besides so, that... Um, hang on, hang on here. So are you just pissed at Disney that they didn't release Mulan on your birthday? Is, it, is this what it all comes down to? A little, but also um, if you've actually looked into the production and the actors and the other like staff and crew on the set, there's a lot of racial and political mm-hmm. things that I'm just not agreeing with. Um, one thing I've heard, I can't confirm, but they filmed right next to the genocide that's currently happening in like China and stuff. Um, there is the talk that they agree with like the police brutality that's happening in China and stuff. There, there is, there is like talk that, that they. So because yeah. of that, I was already very iffy, and so because of that, I was in like, right, I would pay five pound to see it in the cinema, but I would just see it once, and then that'd be it. But now it's twenty quid. I might know, but I do understand that for families as well. Like, like you said, it's cheaper. Like my mom, there's her, and then she's got five other kids. So all together, that'd probably be about twenty five to thirty pound just for tickets alone. Not then also including travel and food. Um, so for her it would be cheaper but also I don't understand why kids would want to see it in the cinema let alone in home because from what I've seen it seems to be very more like young teenager kind of age more than kids Um, because again because it's more based on the actual I think it's a poem that Mulan Mm -hmm. is based on um, or like an ancient legend in China and because of that, they've stuck more to that, but I'm not going to get more into that because there's again more racial stuff that I don't want to get into and start a fight over. But basically, it's a lot more adult than kid friendly. Mm. So because of that, I might I also don't understand why kids would want to go see it. Well, because to see the animated movie, even and then want to see the live action remake because the mm. live action stuff, as James said, I'm not a fan of. I don't see the point. Probably my favourite to date has probably been Sleeping Beauty. No, not Sleeping Beauty. My probably well, my favourite to date has been Cinderella, which I thought was just a straight old fashioned. It wasn't trying to be postmodern. wasn't trying to do anything different with the story, which I know for some people then say make it more pointless to why they've done it. But I just enjoyed it. But then maybe I'm also slightly biased because it's Kenneth Branagh directing it, and uh, I liked it. I yeah, you you make good points. There is some controversies around Mulan, 
There's no denying that. But I think the key thing is, had it just been released as normal on your birthday, you'd have loved it, Evie. Yeah, I would have went to go see it. <laughs> you would have loved it and come out and been like, thumbs up. I love it. I would Western have went out and be like, yes, yeah, girl, we're fighting for it. Let's go. <laughs> yes, yes, queen. I can't do it. I can't do it, you know, without being too camp. But uh, look, I think we've kind of went off. off uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that comment? Are you trying to impersonate my gayness? No, are, no, are no, you, no. Are you trying to be the token gay on the podcast? No, no. no. <laughs> I'm just camp. I'm just camptastic. That's the way I. That's the way I rule. Even I'm just apparently. Uh, my lovely <laughs> wife loves telling a story about we once went as a group to the Kremlin and I was the campus person there. So take of that Honestly, as I can't say anything. That's my boyfriend. As I, I, I'm not going down there. That's a discussion for another podcast completely. And I'm not even going to try and get James Oliver involved in this conversation because uh, I can already see James Oliver listener just kind of going like, guys, I'm out. I'm, 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 I'm out. No, I've been joining in. I'm joining in. That's right. It's all good. Just uh, We're just embracing kind of it's a metrosexual world, I think. You can't claim it anymore. You know, it's all, you know, all equal, equal strokes. We can't, we can't gatekeep anymore. No, no, you can't have... You, you see how to... I dress as well, trust me. <laughs> yeah, James, James, uh, you know, I have that. James has a lovely Mean Girls t-shirt. I'm actually quite envious of it, but I just couldn't pull it off. I don't have the frame. James has the skinny frame. I don't have the frame. Like, you're wearing currently wearing a Black Widow t-shirt or a j- sweatshirt. I could yep. pull that off, but I just wouldn't. Like, James got a much more slender frame than me. From the, uh, I'd like to point out from the, uh, the women's section in Primark. Thank you very much. It's all right. Okay. I love how you oh, shop in the women's section of Primark. I shop in the little boys section of Primark. <laughs> and I just I just shop at last exit to nowhere, listeners. That's that's pretty much it. Last exit to nowhere, bargain basement, clearance t shirt. Do I know the movie? Yeah, kinda. Boom, get it done. Uh, yeah, I, I think this podcast has went down a very strange, strange <laughs> place. Remember a long time ago, listeners, when we were talking about the new mutants before we went <laughs> off all that kind of segue, which probably says everything you need to know about the film. Uh, I think we shall bring things to a close. So, as I say, we, we needed to talk this week about new mutants. Aving, I, I know the answer, but is it worth a trip to the cinema? I think it's worth to see it to like to understand what everyone's saying about it because whenever I heard about it and then heard people's reviews I was just like mm, I, I just want to go see it for myself to see if it really is like that so I think it's worth to see it for that reason but yeah it's up, up to you yeah it's worth the price of your cinema ticket as long as Pandaflix is paying is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And <laughs> listeners, we're not going to pay for everyone's cinema ticket, right? I know there's social distancing in there. We've maybe got enough budget for maybe four more tickets. So first four people in who email us in, you know, we'll happily get you tickets. Just speak to James at his unnamed cinema. If you can find out what cinema James Oliver is working at, just go up to James and say, you know, we won the prize. We got our four tickets. Um, no, because yeah. there's friends of mine who know where I work and they're just going to come in and torture me. So no, it's, 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 it's a challenge. It's, I'll figure it it's it's legally Never. binding well, well the only downside to that Avine, is you're gonna have to go see new mutants again it might be free but you're gonna have to go see it again nah i'll i'll, I'll see tenant this time I'll, I'll see if it's actually worth all the hype you're all giving it mm, i would be i'd be very interested to see what you think of tenant that's that's all i will say but uh 
James, you know, worth the is New Mutants worth the price of your cinema ticket? Yeah, just for all that it went through. To, okay, you know, to find oh, I find this on the Hang on, I've just activated the Siri. Your cinema ticket. Shush. Sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. So, G- so James is. I'm just being very careful what I how word this so I don't kick her off again. So James is so James is New Mutants worth the price of your cinema ticket? Yes, for what it all went through to finally get a release, definitely check it out. Do you know what I would agree with you? I I am a bit meh on the film. I do think it's a bit toothless. I think it's it's all its edginess has been taken out of it. But when you consider just for any film, it's just such a Herculean effort to get any film made. I think any film, when it goes through what it's went through, it does deserve to be seen on the biggest screen. It's just a shame that the, the final product is a bit meh. But a three-star review is still a recommendation. That is the way Empire Film Magazine operate, and that's the way I will operate. Three stars is still a recommendation. It's just a bit meh. That's the way. So I think with that, we shall bring this rather rambly podcast to a close. Thank you very much, James. Thank you for having me, as always. Thank you very much, Aving. Thank you very much. So that pretty much brings this episode to a close. Thank you to both my guests. Thank you to James and thank you to Aving for giving up the time to talk about Josh Boone's New Mutants. Thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. If this has been your first time listening to the pod, hopefully you'll want to subscribe to make sure you never miss a single episode in the future. And you can do that wherever you get your podcasting fix. And if you have been listening to us for a while now, you might want to leave us a nice review because that helps us find new listeners as well. And I'm not quite sure, I don't quite understand the algorithm behind it, but if you take the time to leave us a review, it really does help us. That's all I can say on that front. And if you want to find our complete back catalogue of uh, previous episodes or just want to have a look at, and find out more about Bantaflix, our TV show, and some of the articles from various contributors that we have in our books, then check us out at www.bantaflix.com. You might even want to check out our Patreon page to help us carry on making the podcast, because uh, we have a lot of fun doing it, and hopefully, as I've said, you guys enjoy listening to it. But that's enough of me begging for one week. I've been your host, Jim McLean. We shall be back soon with another episode But for now, until then, goodbye. This has been We Need to Talk About Movies. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit banterflix.com. See you next time.